Welcome to Left at the Door, a podcast and vlog where we, a group of friends, talk about experiences, people, thought patterns that we left at the door in order to love and grow, succeed, and survive. These are our stories. I'm Cassie Yoder. I'm Jesse Porter. I'm Andrew McGee. I'm Sarah Easter. And this is Left at the Door. talking to Cassie Yoder, one of the co-hosts of the podcast, Left at the Door, and we're going to hear about what she's left at the door. Oh, I'd have to say I probably have left mediocrity. You know, I think in a way, um, my drive and my personality type has really kind of led me down this path of, I don't know, maybe in a way, perfectionism and like striving for that or just trying to be the best that I can be. And I know that from an outside perspective, Um, that can be seen, I don't know, as intimidating or that could be seen as uh, like a really competitive spirit or things like that. But I guess in a lot of ways, I just feel like I remember being little and hearing a quote and it was basically like, when I get to heaven, I want to be able to look, you know, God in the face and say, I used everything that you gave me, you know? Every, everything that you bestowed upon me, every gift that you bestowed into me and upon me, I used for the best that I possibly could. You know, and I think that regardless of what you believe, whether you're a Christian or not, I, that quote in some sense can mean something that, you know, you're here on this planet and it's like, what's your life purpose? And so it's like, I think in a lot of ways that really made me think about the gifts that I'm given or the skills. And I think as we grow up, we're told things and we have this narrative in our head. And so I think that that was one of my early memories of, you know, thinking the things that I am can be a gift to other people. And, and so how do I, you know, maybe not so much perfect, but how do I do the best that I can or take those skills and perfect them in a way so that then it's helping the greater good. So how do you make sure that you're always feeling like you're giving the best of yourself than professionally and personally? You know, that's a great question because I think that, so I, I started a marketing firm. It started actually on on the event side back in 2005. So I was right out of college. I got a job working at Allerton and that is in Monticello, Illinois. So it is a mansion and a retreat center and these gardens. And so I was in charge of all of these events and weddings that took place there. And then that transpired and all of a sudden was getting, you know, asked to host like a provost event or a dinner or something um, for a chancellor. And so then I started getting more into the event side of things. And anybody who has ever done events, I mean, or in any capacity. So if you're a photographer, you know, Sarah's a photographer. And um, if you have been in an event side of any capacity, you know that it is the most draining thing. And you're on constantly, you're running around, you don't have set hours. It's not like a nine to five type of job. I mean, you get there, the first arrival when the florist gets there at maybe 7 a.m. because that's their first stop of the day and you're there till 2 a.m. till the last guest goes and leaves until the last dish is done. So I remember early on realizing that I was kind of like an energizer bunny that like I could go and go and go. And I can remember thinking to myself like this too shall pass. At some point I'm going to hit the age where the events and the marketing and the PR, I'm, I'm going to get tired. 
And luckily here I am, you know, years later, and it's not the case, but I do think that I have really tried to perfect the skill of like taking time for myself in the sense that like, you know, I I do meditate and I working out has been a huge part of like, I guess, a release in a lot of ways that it's like, if I can't find a solution for a client or I can't um, you know, do what needs to be done in that given time frame. Like, I'm just going to come back to this. If I can just go work out for a little bit, or if I can go for a rat or something, like maybe the answer will come to me. But, you know, that also takes time. And, you know, as a mom, sometimes you don't want to take time. You, you know, you've got other things that you have to do. So that was my next point I was actually going to bring up is I feel like you balance being a mom and taking time for yourself and work really well. And I, but I know that you've also struggled with it in the past of like not being able to struggle with it. How did you pull yourself out of that? You know, I I feel like I do have a really great safety net, you know, being a single mom and having a company that is thriving is a blessing, but it does, it's a lot of balls up in the air that you're constantly Mm -hmm. juggling. And I know that there's a lot of viewers and listeners that are in that same boat or are entrepreneurs that are like, maybe even not taking themselves to the next level because they're afraid if I do this, that means there's going to be an adjustment in my, you know, my child's life, or there's going to be adjustment some, somewhere there's going to be a shift. And I think I have a very unique relationship with my child. You know, he's 11 going on 55. He's a very old soul. So for, for my son and I, it is a lot of conversations that it's like, he's a part of a lot of what I do work-wise. You know, I can remember uh, one of the projects that I have been a part of since 2008, it's Green Mill Village, which is located in Arcola, Illinois. It's a development. It's a 65-acre development. It has a hotel. Um, it has an assisted living. And then it's further development. But I can remember when we were building the hotel. And at that point in time, he was almost three. So he's coming to work with me, and he's coming to the site. And so he he has always seen me in all of these roles. you know. So for him, he came to work with me, and he could see me in all these different conversations and roles and having these meetings and you know he either entertained himself or he would come with me and so that he learned how to interact with adults but I think what it really comes down to is there's just these expectations that this is what we have to do to survive you know it doesn't matter what career you have as a single mom you have to work you know you have to pay your bills and mine just happens to be a very unique circumstance of having a marketing firm and having the joy and privilege that he can either come with me or have a great support system. Um, And the other part of it is then once he got to school age, then having those friends and family members become, you know, family to us, that has made a huge difference as well. That, you know, he's got so many little buddies that he is um, like siblings with and those moms I'm friends with. But support, you can't do it all. I mean, I think that saying of it takes a village to raise a child it really is true. I mean, I, I ask for help and, and I have to delegate a lot. So what do you think your relationship with mediocrity, what effect does that have on your son? And what do you think that does to tempt his view of the world? In a lot of ways, I, I think that I want him to see that I am my authentic self. And being authentic for me means 
trying to be the best version and the best human that I can be. So I think the lesson that I try to teach him is that, you know, I, there is challenges and there is weaknesses and there is things that I'm going to do wrong and I am not perfect. And it is, it is hard to be 110% every single day. And it's okay to not be 110%. It's okay to not have everything, you know, together all the time. And so I think it's really being honest with him and, and having conversations that are age appropriate about those shortcomings. So if I'm having a bad day at work, when I pick him up from school, I mean, we're so in tune. So he can tell just by getting in the car, he can he can tell. You really are. You guys yeah. really are synced up. It's yeah. very special. And so I think that he gets in and he'll he can just look at my face. So he will ask, you know, how'd your day go? Or how'd your new client pitch go, mom? And having those conversations with him because I don't want him to think that everything is rainbows and Disneyland and magical. And then have him get into the real world and be like, my mom did everything so good. And my mom was, you know, so every meeting she had was successful and every client that she pitched to came on board. That's not real life, you know? And so I think he needs to also see the, the balance and the flow of that, that things happen. And I think that we are doing our children a disservice by pretending. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is in any capacity of our, our lives that, you know, it does no one, whether it's our friends, whether it's our children, whether it's our family, to just pretend and be like, this is who I think you want me to be um, and just roll with it. And not being the best version of yourself, I really think it, I think it chips away at your soul to some capacity. Especially if it's a choice you're making mm-hmm. to just not go for it or whatever. Yeah, not having the courage right. to do something. segment that we call doorstop where things get kind of left at the door and sometimes they don't get all the way pulled through and they get stuck so we re-talk about them a little bit so I've got Andrea and we are talking about mediocrity we think that when it comes to mediocrity and what we've talked about thus far what does it mean to you I guess about living your most authentic life and for me I feel like my most authentic life is just about making other people happy Mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing for me because I like to put a smile on people's face mm-hmm. and I just tend to go all out for them. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me more authentic. I do something good for someone mm-hmm. that makes me feel better about myself than knowing that that's what I, I do. It's like it gives you purpose. It gives me, yes, it does. It really does. You do that for me a lot. I know. Viewers and listeners, like I, I literally, I don't know what I I would do and I'm close with Andrea's mom as well Barbara and I always think about that that I was like what did I do before I knew you and your mom yeah. I, clearly I didn't have my shit together yeah <laughs> so. I know I know and, and that's the thing it's she's like, like I, know, yeah. I know I know I didn't I get that a lot it's like a lot of people like oh my gosh you made me laugh today well I didn't I wasn't trying to make you laugh but since I made you laugh I'm so happy mm-hmm. I will laugh with you just because I made you laugh yeah. and that I just love seeing people smile and laugh and and just be happy mm-hmm. and if I can do that uh, that made my whole day. Yeah, it really so. does. Okay, so you have a little one. You have Talia. Yes. So I think about that with like being a mom and what we're up against when it comes to the expectations of perfection mm-hmm. and then the expectations of like 
I don't know. You know, like we see those things where they're like Pinterest fails or yeah. like moms that are trying, and it's not just moms, it's moms, mm-hmm. dads, caretakers. I know grandparents even have those expectations too, mm-hmm. but it's like, we're trying to constantly be in this rat race mm-hmm. of being the most perfect versions of ourselves while simultaneously making sure that we're not mediocre. Right. And I think it's exhausting. It, it is exhausting. And then, um, I realized lately, especially that sometimes you just have to lift it at the door yeah, because yes. it's not always going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, we can only try our best. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a perfectionist and I know you are too, Cassie. And that's one of the hardest thing is trying to let go. But at the end of the day, when I'm doing something with my little one and it doesn't go like if it's a Pinterest idea and it doesn't go the way I just got to think to myself that, okay, I tried, mm-hmm. but we did our best and this is, this is what it's going to be. And we have to move on. <laughs> so, yeah. You yeah. know, I remember when Jack was that stage, cause now he's 11 mm-hmm. and I remember there's that frame of mind that like we can do things better quicker mm-hmm. than the little ones can. Yes. Of course. Yes. But then I just think to myself that we are then making them so codependent and so dependent upon us mm-hmm. that sometimes then it gets to the point that they're like, well, if I don't do something, dad's going to step in and do it for me or exactly. mom's going to step in or Grammy's going to step in. And so I think that there's also that, that I constantly battle as like a business owner and a mom and the two just mixing together mm-hmm. where there's like no clear cut, like what we're doing today may involve right. work. Right. So then I just think to myself, like his little eyes are always watching and learning and taking note um, and he's just a little sponge and absorbing all of that. And that's one of the things I like about the way and your concept with Jack is letting him do things his way but still guiding him to do it. And I think I learned that a little bit from you lately too about maybe not letting Talia um, doing it for her and letting her do it on her own. I just never... I would never think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, okay, we got to go. It's a go, 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 go system. Yeah. We got to get it done. Yeah. But in reality, I'm failing her in some ways. And I think you're so right about that. So I literally take a step back and just change the way I was doing things. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, today, this morning, she had to put her clothes on. I did not help her. Yeah. Unless she asked me for help, then I stepped in. I'm like, okay, I will help you. Right. But I will wait for you to ask. I'm not going to help you. Mm -hmm. I think about a time. I want to say that Jack was maybe, oh, I don't know, probably kindergarten Uh age. And he he has always loved being a helper. Like it it is such a blessing that he he helps with anything and everything. And most of the time, like he'll ask with that phrase, Mm -hmm. he'll say, is there something I can help you with mom? Like, Mm -hmm. and so he's just the best little soul when it comes to that. But he, I asked him one time to fill up all the dog water bowls, you know? So we've got two dogs and we've got four cats, which uh, that needs to be for a whole other (laughs) second. All of that made sense when we lived in the country on a farm, but Mm -hmm. now living in the city, it's, it's a lot. But anyway, so he's filling up the dog water bowls and you know, I guess I just, we always have milk jugs, like an Mm -hmm. empty milk jug. So I always just fill up the milk jug, take it to the bowl, dump it, just do that process like two or three times. Right. Well, I hear like all of this commotion in the house. And so I come down from the office and he is up on top of the counter and he has got all of the bowls inside the sink and he is filling all. And I just kind of sat there and there was a brief moment that I almost was like, 
this is going to be a bad idea. The time you get the bowls and walk across the whole entire kitchen, you're going to... And then I just stopped and I thought, this is a lesson in everything. Mm -hmm. That he is going to realize that this process is going to be more tedious. Mm -hmm. It's going to require so much more cleanup. Right. (laughs) Because there's going to be so many spills. And so I just thought, he has seen me do it my way so many times. But he wanted to try it that way. And so I thought, you know... He has to, he has to figure that out on his own. And you know what? Maybe he has better balance than me. Right. <laughs> so and, that, and, and that's great. That. And yep. that's great. He yep. does it. And then you're you're preparing him yeah. for the future, for a life lesson in life. Like you, sometimes you just have to figure out things your way. Yes. To make it your own. Yeah. And exactly. Nothing, you can't always do. And and we and in life we does this as adults. Yeah. Yeah. We we have to figure out what works for us. Mm-hmm. So now they have to figure out what works for them yes they'll remember oh mom used to do it this way so maybe you know I will do it this way with a little bit of twist on Mm -hmm. my own so and that's good for them to learn that yeah because I also think that that also ties into this whole like mediocrity Mm -hmm. thing because I think that we are a ripple effect Mm -hmm. and what we do and every choice that we make has a ripple effect on everybody in our lives and so I think that regardless of whether it's our children or whether it's I mean it could literally like you said Mm -hmm. like you make somebody smile and you didn't even realize that like that wasn't your intent Mm -hmm. you just are being your authentic self and so sometimes I think that we just assume that the way we think and the way that we process and the way that we handle situations is the best way and the only way and so I think that that has really taken maybe over the last few years that the being a mom is part of it mm-hmm. owning a business and juggling multiple different things all at the same time is another part but I do feel like in a lot of ways then somebody else sees something and is like this helped me and so then you're like okay feel like even if you have a bad day you know that you've helped somebody in some way shape or form right and one of the things and my I know I tell myself is if I was in somebody else's shoe, how would they feel? Mm-hmm. We all don't know what people are thinking, what mm-hmm. struggles they're going through, what what daily lifestyle they have. And just trying to impact somebody, whether you smile at them or say hi to them, good morning or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I usually talk to my mom about and I would try. Now I'm talking to Talia because She's four years old. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of questions. Why, why, why? Mm -hmm. So then we do the things. Why do we do the things? Mm -hmm. You know, or why don't we do the things? Yeah. And and that's something we have to figure out. Okay, why do we do the things? We do the things not because we want to impress somebody else saying, hey, look, let's do good deeds for Mm ourselves," And because we, like I said, we do not know how other people are feeling, what struggles they're going through. Mm -hmm. And and it does make a big difference. Yeah. It's kind of like that Brene Brown quote where Mm she um, says... Like, she chooses to live with the perception that everyone is trying their best. Mm -hmm. So even if you catch somebody in a horrible moment, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about when it came to previous holiday season and uh, Christmas Mm -hmm. shopping, people are not always their best. Then you Mm -hmm. throw a pandemic on top of it. So I witnessed, you know, a couple people arguing because they didn't feel like they were properly social distancing. And then that led into a kind of an argument over you're not wearing your mask properly. So it was just like a really, 
it was really awkward. It was, mm-hmm. and, and it was understandable. Everybody is on edge and things like that. But I just kept thinking to myself, like there was a couple people that were a little um, upset at how loud the situation was getting. Mm-hmm. And again, rightly so. But I just kind of tried to like Brene Brown it where I thought, you know what? We have no idea what like that gentleman is going through. You know, mm-hmm. he was like probably in his late seventies. For all we know, he could have lost his spouse to COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's asking, could you please step back and social distance? Mm-hmm. You know, people sometimes, and I know that's just that one situation, that one example, but I just try to think to myself that even when people are at their worst, maybe they are struggling behind the scenes that we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that they're be- being mediocre. It's not that mm-hmm. they're being lazy or that they're being cruel or anything like that. It's just that maybe this is the best version that they can give at this very moment. That's, that is true. Mm-hmm. And it's happened a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, we just need to realize that we're in a pandemic, like you said, and, and it's the holidays. And, you know, the holidays, especially a lot of people go through depression yes and yeah. it's hard on everyone and, and then you uh, throw seasonal depression on top of it where exactly. it's like we don't have any sunlight exactly <laughs> exactly like, that's even worse so it, it is it's a lot of stress mm-hmm. and we have to take that in consideration yeah. and so when we're out in the public we just want to make sure that we understand why people are the way they are, mm-hmm. but we don't want to put that negativity yeah. out. We just want to be the best we can and show a positive attitude towards other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to being kind, yeah. kindness, and you know, I have a little one, you have a little one, they're watching. Yeah. And as adults, mm-hmm. you want to set the example for your little ones. Yeah. And I know it. it's hard. It, it's very hard. Um, we we tend to forget we have little ones. We tend to forget where we're at. We we just act in that situation. So then yeah. we, we just bring out the worst versions of ourselves. But you know what? We're human. Mm-hmm. And it's, at some part of the day, you have to stop and think about, oh, my God, did I just do that? Let's try not to do that again. <laughs> it's true. So. It's true. You always are like, okay, one yeah. step away from like just kind of self like realizing where am I at? What am I doing? And, and, and when we get back to the rest of the episode, we go into a little bit further about even those age appropriate questions with your children and like mm-hmm. talking about those adult <laughs> yeah. type of situations, oh, yeah. you know, oh, where it's totally. like, we have to stop pretending that like they don't understand anything because mm-hmm. then at some stage of their life, we then just expect them to leave the house and go be an adult. Yeah. So I think that that's important too. So we'll get back to the episode and thanks for watching this little segment of doorstop. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm the owner of Bad Love Creative Co. I'm a photographer that services both Central Illinois and Chicago areas. This year has been incredibly difficult for me. I've had lots of cancellations due to shutdown. Prairie Commons Business Collective has helped me bring awareness to my clients. The marketing has let people know that I'm still here and I'm taking clients. I'm taking social distancing measures and that is how my photo shoots go. Prairie Commons Business Collective has really helped get more clients and to reach new people. One of the things I love most about Prairie Commons Business Collective is that there's a place for everybody, which is something I value most. It's a community of people of all business types. So whether you're a crafter or a photographer like me or even a furniture maker, there's a place for you.
May your day be filled with giggles. The place to come for cards and gifts. Personalized just for you. Come and try our tasty treats. They will leave you giggling too. Oh, the brightest spot on Merchant Street. will leave you happy and complete. May your day be filled with giggles. Shopping local is more than a trend. The big box stores have nothing on our craftsmanship. Handcrafted Amish furniture and custom cabinetry. If you can envision it, we can build it. Learn more at prairiecommonscollective.com. One of the things I really admire you and Jack, can I mention? Yeah, absolutely. You and Jack, uh, the relationship that you have and the way you speak to him, and I remember talking to you about this because I struggled with my little one, um, Talia. And one of the things you told me, and I admire this about you and your relationship with Jack, because you said to me that uh, you speak to him like he's an adult, uh, something like um, that he can understand you and I like that because I find I took your advice mm -hmm. and I want you to know that since I took your advice it worked you included him in every decision and that's rare like you don't think about that and as a mom I never thought I see my four-year-old as a four-year-old I didn't yeah. think of her opinions but after that talk I mean it changed it mm -hmm. changed my relationship with her. And I hope a lot of uh, listeners and viewers who are single mom and uh, have a business that can listen to this, learn from this, because it's, it's a really good learning experience. I was pregnant with my first child, uh, Charlie, who's now four, when Cassie and I got back together. We met at a friend's wedding and I met Jack for the first time. And I said, how old are you, buddy? And he said, oh, practically seven. <laughs> and it was just a couple of weeks before his birthday. Um, so before I was actually a parent of a human child on the outside of my body, Cassie and I started having conversations like that too. And I was watching the way she interacted with Jack and it impacted the way I am with my kids also. And I think a lot of it is around the Montessori mm -hmm. thought mm -hmm. and the, the way that we educate our children. It's not just the education, it's the lifestyle, but it does make a difference. So Tali is four, Charlie is four also. And it's, there's such a huge shift when you can say like, well, what are, what do you want to do? Yeah. What's, we're going to do this, what sounds good to you? And when you can respect them and it's, you know, they're not tiny adults, but when you talk to them like they can comprehend you, they do. So I think in a lot of ways, we take a child and we say for 18 years, I'm going to tell you what to do, how to do it. I'm going to show you how to do it. You're going to do it exactly the way I do it. You're going to mimic me, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, when you're 18 years old, I need you to make life decisions. Now go. Mm -hmm. And a child is like, well, hold on. Like for 18 years, you've told me what to do and what to say. And I feel like in a lot of ways, um, when we have had conversations amongst ourselves, and I know Sarah, you talked a little bit about like the traditional lifestyle versus non-traditional when it comes to like school and college and making those decisions. It's like when you set a child up to where they are not empowered for 18 years, 
to make decisions or to have a say in the family or even just little things, how do you expect them to make these giant life choices? So I've always had that perspective that like, Jack is my child, yes. But at the end of the day, I am raising someone's father. I'm raising someone's partner, raising someone's spouse. So I want him to be the best human he could possibly be so that he can survive in a very crazy world. And yeah. you're teaching him how to be part of a team. Yeah. More than anything, the two of you are definitely a team. Yeah. And that that's never, that's going to be so valuable as he goes through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. People that know you, whether they know you as uh, an employer or a work associate or a parent or whatever, they know that part of you too. So you are Cass Concepts and Jack's mom. And I, I know that in my business, I try to be really transparent. And like one of the reasons I do all of this is for my family, for my kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't want there to ever be that separation. I think that's something you do really well. And when you're talking about 18 years of traditional schooling, to me, that is people who choose that mm -hmm. over whatever other lifestyle, I feel like you're setting someone up for mediocrity. You know, I think I can also see that pattern. I mean, we, I grew up in Sullivan, a little small town in Illinois, central Illinois. And, you know, Jesse and I went to high school together. So we had the same education background and we had a great, I mean, Sullivan has great schools. It is really? a phenomenal town and it has great schools. And that was the only option, you know, and I can remember in one of the projects that I had for work, I met a, a woman who was from Nashville and Jamie Yanishevsky became one of my closest friends and she was a theater consultant and she had her daughter Molly in a Montessori school system and I saw how Molly was and I saw her interactions and you know it was one of those recommendations that it was like I could see quickly and Jamie said the Montessori changed my life as well as my children's lives mm -hmm. and I think that that is something that I have there is a lot of life lessons like who I am in the past 11 years because of having Jack I mean that has developed over time too you know mm -hmm. it's like I who I was 11 years ago was not you know some of this I was a hurried person it's you know if something needed to be done I'll just do it myself because I can do it quicker mm. and I've quickly learned that you know becoming a mom you have to take a step back because at some point you you, you're either going to be that helicopter parent that's like, I can put your shoes on quicker, I can put your coat on quicker, and I'm going to do it quicker. But mm -hmm. ultimately now, I have now set you up to where you are now dependent upon me. And um, I think we all have families and we know people who are those type of children that as they grow older, it is, they're paralyzed with fear when it comes to making those decisions. I was blessed to have parents who fanned my flame. And if I said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to sell the most Girl Scout cookies at eight years old, by God, they were like, well, what do you, what's your plan? What are you going to do to achieve it? Now, that doesn't mean that my mom didn't drive me so that I safely got in and out of the homes or safely went in and out of the businesses, but she never would have undermined me or been like, there's no way you can do that. And she never would have said like, oh, let's pick something that's more age appropriate. You know, if I thought that I could achieve something, her and my dad supported that. And so I try to translate that, but that does take time and effort. So sometimes I'll hear, you know, viewers or listeners be like, well, you have no idea what it's like because I have four kids. You have one. 
Oh God, um, I right. yes, you're right. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. But what I will say too is we see families in the Montessori school system that have lots of kids, and when you take the time, it's like give a man a fish or teach a man a fish. Yes. You know how much less time it takes to get your kids out the door when they can all tie their own shoes? Yeah. It's little stuff like that, but it's an investment. And just like anything else that you're doing, you know, if you're exercising or teaching yourself to cook or showing your kid how to tie shoes, it's an, it's a time investment. And you know, we're playing the long game here. It is. It really is true. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, we can take that perspective and that pedagogy and look at it and say, okay, this makes sense from a child perspective. But when we look at it from an adult perspective, we still have growth to do as adults. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes, you know, from a marketing perspective, I walk into a business and I say, you know, the conversation typically is like, we're not where we want to be. Um, the sales are not where we want to be, or we don't have good retention when it comes to customers, whatever the problem is. So it's then finding that solution. And it, the solution always involves growth. So it's like this commonality amongst the business world that there has to be growth, growth, growth. But yet we as individuals are like, well, you know, I kind of just like, I, I am what I am. And you don't think about it from your own individual perspective. And that's mm -hmm. where it's really a shame. And I think that's why I say I left mediocrity at the door because I feel like there is always room to learn more. So sometimes I'll hear, you know, from a friend perspective where it'll be like, you know, you know, I just, I felt like I got married and then I just like, that's who I've just stayed, you know? And I just think it's heartbreaking when all of a sudden you no longer invest in yourself mm -hmm. because it is investing in your family. It is, if you have kids, yeah. it invests in your kids. But I think that that really comes down to like, I don't know, we have so much untapped potential and what a disservice it is to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers, to anyone who is in our lives, whoever we touch, to not say, let me, what if, what if one part of me could help something in your life. And, you know, one perspective of that is even writing for me that mm -hmm. there's so many times that when I, when I blog or I write things that right before I hit send, there's like that <laughs> panic moment. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like it, regardless of what it is, whether it's like a, a social media post or a blog, like anybody has been in that where you're like, you mm -hmm. feel like, oh man, I don't know if I should post this or not. Because I'm, I'm about mm -hmm. to show mm -hmm. myself naked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a very vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable yes. thing. Yeah. It, so yeah. But, and what if, what if someone has a critique, but also like, what if that critique makes you better? Yes. Or what if something you shared helps someone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really has been kind of that perspective. There's times that we joke because, um, I love the author Glennon Doyle and she has a sister who she typically just refers to as sister. And so sometimes she will call her and she'll say, you know, sister, tell me what to think or tell me how I feel about this. <laughs> and it is very similar to the relationship that I have with my older sister, Jay Lee. And so a lot of times I'll write this and I will send it off to her to, to edit and she'll proof it and send it back to me like, okay, you know, here's, you forgot a comma here and you forgot this. And even in that moment, even though I know she's read it and it's proofed and ready to go, I'm still hesitant to send it or to post it. And I'll tell her that I'll be like, okay, just tell me what to think about this. Mm -hmm. And she'll just, just send it, just post it, go. And I do. And I have found that, you know, one big example, you know, five years ago, I lost my best friend Lori to suicide and being so close with her 
and so close to her children. It was one of those things that we talked about that it was like, we are going to openly talk about this because what if it helps a person? And so for me, it's writing. Now, for some people, it's talking. For some people, it's music. You know, you channel your grief or, or whatever you're going through in, in different energies. And so for me, it's always been writing. And, and it's so crazy to me how sometimes I will post things here, you know, five years into it, something will trigger and I'll, I'll write something. And out of the woodwork, somebody who I've known forever will private message me and say, hey, I've never told anybody, but my college boyfriend committed suicide. Hmm. And I'm like, I know that. I, I, I think to myself, I know that person. I never knew that about them. Mm-hmm. And so how many of us are living with those untold stories, but it just kind of is like we kind of stifle some of that stuff down because we don't want to grow into that potential. And sometimes feeling emotions, I mean, that's where growth comes from, is you have to feel your way through things there's no, there's no like easy button that you can just push and to get you from A to B. What you're talking about with your writing and people channeling grief through music or art or whatever, what you're talking about is connection. Do you feel that you have a harder time or an easier time connecting with people because you have chosen not to pursue a life of mediocrity? I feel like it puts me in a very vulnerable state to find that connection, but I really feel like ultimately if there is not substance and depth to what we're doing in, in any capacity, if you're not connecting, it's like, what, what is the point of us being on this earth? Right. The human experience is so yeah. short. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll give you a really funny example today, Sarah and I, who Sarah is for those who don't know, she works for me. And so she's like always <laughs> dragging her to like photo shoots and video shoots and things like that. Well, we had some downtime today. So I needed to go to Best Buy. So we go to Best Buy, it's not open, we have to kill some time. So instead of like leaving, we were like walking back to the parking lot and a guy rolls his window down and is like, you know, I've got some other errands I've got to run. You know, he's like, I, and he was upset, you know. He's like, I didn't realize I didn't open till 11. And I look at that moment and I think it's like that Joan Osborne song where it's like, what if God is one of us? So regardless of what your religion is, okay, regardless of whether you believe in God or a higher power or the universe or whatever it is, I just think to myself like, or, or candid camera, maybe you are completely agnostic or atheist. And it's just like a candid camera moment where I'm like, this man is clearly talking to me. And I'm like, I, and I can't in good faith. I I can't just not respond, you know, (laughs) so I can just see it in Sarah's face of her being like, Jesus, like, what is she going to say? And I'm like, I know, like, I can't imagine, like, what, why are they open? And he, you know, we kind of go back and forth a little bit. And then as I'm talking and just kind of talking with him a little bit, some other lady is walking through the parking lot. She makes a comment too. So kind of talk with her a little bit. But the whole point of it, I just think we get in the car and we kind of giggle, but I'm just like, I think it's those type of moments that it's like, you just kind of think to yourself, you're like, man, like you feel, you feel alive. You're like, Mm -hmm. I have no idea what was going on in that person's day, but like clearly that man was upset and I just kind of made a joke about it. Like, and he seemed better. And then when we saw him later at 11, when we all went back in, (laughs) when it finally opened. And I just think to myself, I think that that maybe loss does that to a person that, you know, um, that after so many losses and life changes, big life changes, 
that you just realize that it's like, okay, I can either connect and be vulnerable or I can just build this wall up and act like nothing can get through and nothing can penetrate. But who does that help in the grand scheme of life? You know, so I think that that connection has to be there ultimately. And it's uncomfortable. It is. It's not always the most comfortable thing. And sometimes it's awkward. Mm -hmm. It is, you know. But you didn't die. But no, you know, (laughs) like, well, you know, he, you make these connections and it it turns into funny stories, which then turn into Mm -hmm. blogs. And then all of a sudden next time someone's like, you know what, maybe I should take a picture of your hair. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Things like this happen all the time. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. I think you're a magnet Mm -hmm. for it because the universe knows that you need those connections, whether you want them or not. Well, and it is funny because I think that the outside world is like, oh, she she went into broadcasting, uh, she can talk. She She must be an extrovert. Yes. 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 And it is not how I recharge. And and I I am, you know, I like my personal space. Like my child and I live a a semi-quiet life. And, you know, so it is funny because Jesse and I went to a meditation class one time and we're just like in our own world. And and I'm social, you know, to... this was before COVID. Yeah. This was way, but yes, this yes. was before COVID. And somehow, yeah. you know, it turned into a woman asking if she can touch my hair and then could she take a picture of it? And Jessie is an intro or an extrovert. So I'm like, why couldn't this have happened to her? Mm-hmm. Like, why me? Why wouldn't you want to touch why this hair to touch or photograph hair? this yeah. hair? <laughs> I just think, but then I just think to myself, I'm like, okay, whatever the reason is, <laughs> I clearly have something in me that says, come talk to me, like, mm-hmm. let's connect. And so I do, I just think to myself, okay, whatever, I'm, I'm, I just go with it. Because at the end of the day, I think to myself, like, this, somehow, this is, I don't even know, a trait, a skill, a, I don't know what it is, what do you want to call it? But ultimately, that connection leads to something. And, you know, we have friendships that are because of that, because of those mm-hmm. awkward encounters. That were only awkward for you. (laughs) So, Cassie, my question is, what advice would you give to women or single mom or any moms out there or any any women in general? What advice would you give to them who are trying to balance a career and life itself? Because it seems like you're really good at managing the two. And what, what advice would you give to them? I would say that I am not great, but I definitely would say what I've found is that I do delegate. (laughs) So (laughs) I delegate. Um, But I also think there is never, there is, I really do think that. I think there's two things. I think that I have never been afraid of failing. And that also means having a realistic conversation with yourself saying, okay, if I have a dream, if I have a passion and I want to pursue that, there is a good chance it will not make money. There is a good chance that it will only serve myself or my family, um, or it will maybe go for a short period of time and not go for the long run. Okay. So, so those are things that all may happen. But is that enough to not start that endeavor? Is that enough to literally sit back and say, I always wanted to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, what might have been? And I just don't have that in my brain to, to live that way. And ultimately, then, I also can say I don't have regrets. And I think that's maybe through a process of things. So I think that telling viewers and listeners that in a lot of ways, it's like you have to take that chance. And for me, little eyes 
are always watching me. So that's my motivator that it's like, I would rather him see that I tried something and that it failed. And I said, okay, this didn't work out. And this is the loss. And now I have to take this job on, or I have to do something differently because of those choices. There's always going to be consequences in life. But I think the saddest thing to me is to sit back and either pretend and live this life that is not what you want. It's not maybe who you want to be with, or it's not in the place you want to be living in, whatever those elements are, that you sit there and you pretend and you say, well, you know, I can just suck it up. And I'm like, I think of that Mary Oliver quote where it's like, what are you going to do with this one precious life? And so I don't think that mediocrity and leaving it at the door is anything to do about being lazy. It isn't at all. I think if anything, it is about being courageous. It's literally saying, I, I'm going to take that passion and I'm going to do something with it. It doesn't matter who's supporting me. It doesn't matter if everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm going to try it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I think that it doesn't matter what your status is. So whether it's, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I think that there's something inside all of us, but it does take that like one step that like every day you have to be doing something to go towards those dreams, to just sit back and be like, oh, one day I would love to do this. You know, um, I do think that sometimes things fall and the universe puts things and they fall into place because you make the step and you start moving yourself forward. Mm -hmm. I really do believe yeah. that. I feel like all of everything that was just said can be tied back to the Girl Scout cookie story. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you ever sub like, I don't know if it was a conscious thing or subconscious lesson that that taught you and you carried on through life and raising Jack and owning your business and just doing life. But it's that quote of like, no ceilings. There are just no ceilings. It's my, one of my favorite things. You mm -hmm. were taught through that, whether you realized it or not, and whether your parents realized it or not, that like, there are no limits. You can do whatever you want. My parents would have laughed in my face if I would have yeah. told them that I was going to do that. They would have been like, Sarah, you can try, but it's probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But your parents are just like, okay, let's do it. And mm -hmm. I feel like you've carried that on through all of your life. Yeah. And I think that it's one of those things that I try to even in not just my relationship with Jack, but like with other people, I try to think to myself like, okay, I need to be that person for them as well. Because mm -hmm. I do think that, like you said, not everybody's had the type of parents that I had. Not everybody had mm -hmm. the type of grandparents. I mean, yeah. my grandparents were the exact same way. And anybody who knew my grandparents were know how they were. And I think about that so often that it's like, um, you know, and part of it, I guess, maybe is just who we are. Not everybody wants to start a marketing firm and mm -hmm. hustle, you know, yeah. not everybody wants to do that. And so it's not to say that if you don't own your own business, that you are being mediocre. That's not, that's not it at all. Or that if you don't have, uh, you know, if you're not a millionaire, if you're not this or that, it's not about status. I really do think that it really comes down to, you know, in your gut, and you know in your soul, like there is that voice in your head that's like, this is what you should be doing, or this is what your passion is. So I think that it's just moving steps towards just the truth of being like, all right, I'm going to live my most authentic life. And that way then those around me are encouraged and motivated to do the same thing. And it's like, you just never know who you're motivating or empowering by just doing it and moving forward. So I try to take that with me um, whenever I say that I leave mediocrity at the door, that it's not a slam by any means, but it's hopefully a motivator for someone to say, okay, 
today's the last day that I have excuses. And today is the last day that I continue to live a lie. Or today is the last day that I pretend that this is what I want. Like I have a voice and I'm not gonna live a small life anymore. Thank you so much, Cassie, for talking to us today. If you want to hear more about Cassie Oder and her story and any of the things she mentioned today, you can visit us on Instagram, Facebook, or if you want to watch our beautiful faces, you can visit us on YouTube. Thanks so much. This has been Left, Left at, at the, the Door. door.